0: If you were to tell me that on monday i would be talking about a heartbreaking loss to florida state uh if you if i said if i was if this would be on friday i would have said you're crazy but here we are we're talking about a loss and one that kind of stung we get into everything that happened we have mitch here joining us to talk all about it
1: you are locked on boston college your daily podcast
0: on the boston college eagles part of the locked on podcast network your team every day hello and welcome this is locked on bc i'm your host aj black editor and publisher of eagle insider part of the 247 sports network with me today i have mitch this episode is brought to you by fanduel sportsbook the official sportsbook of locked on make every moment more right now new customers can bet five dollars and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed visit fanduel.com locked on to get started so as i kind of kick this off mitch Definitely not the game we're expecting, but still, uh, this one stings more than I expected it would. How are we doing?
1: I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. I picked BC to cover, and I felt super comfortable with that prediction, and I was right, obviously. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. But, I mean, I'm also just tired from watching about 50 penalties in all the games I watched this past weekend and with BC and Colorado state combining for, I think 40 of them. So it was a weird week of football. And that's the thing. Whenever anybody says it's like a bad slate of games for any given week, that's when stuff really pops off. Like you get all these weird games. I don't think there were too many true upsets, but you had a lot of wonky games, including this one.
0: All right, let's get into this. So BC comes out hot in this game. Uh, Great. Uh, first drive where they score on a touchdown pass to lewis bond and it kind of sets the tone for what we're going to talk about in this first half which is thomas castellanos now just a week removed after he you know got that personal foul he was being cocky he was making you know all sorts of hand gestures or whatever he goes out there and has a game at, at one of the best I, I in my opinion one of the best quarterbacking performances I've seen out of BC in a long time
1: yeah I couldn't agree more I was re-watching the game again and you know he still has a lot of room to grow he's a young quarterback uh but I mean obviously he was huge with his legs uh you know whether it was designed to run or scramble uh you saw him you know pick up a lot of third and longs uh convert a lot of those first downs when BC really needed them but as we've seen every week, and I always say that player development isn't linear, but I mean, you're, over these three games, you've seen a very strong, positive upward trend of his play. Um, he's making decisions faster, he's getting the ball out faster on, on like longer design passing plays and RPOs, and obviously he gets the ball out quick, but um, I posted the throw, it was third and 20, it was the driver BC ultimately, it was their last draw, last offensive drive, and they ultimately punted. But, the throw on third and 20, where he's rolling out to his right and just throws a laser right to Ryan O'Keefe. So, I mean, this guy clearly, uh, you know, we had our whole episode about kind of how the issue with the quarterback position and how that was handled over the offseason, how we didn't agree with it. But I think that Castellanos being the starter, like, clearly makes a lot of sense in terms of his talent. And I think that this team is better off for it because you have, when you have an athletic quarterback like this, it, it really gives your offense a higher floor because he has that athleticism to make plays where if the receivers aren't getting open or what have you, then he can at least create something out of nothing, which we saw a lot of, but you saw that, that, that throw to O'Keefe earlier. There was one where he threw him. I was, he was getting pressured and threw a great deep ball to uh, O'Keefe deep crosser, had a few really nice uh, throws on in breaking routes kind of over the middle of the field, which is something that I'm a little, I was a little concerned about him with because he is a shorter quarterback. So you wonder, you know, how how well does he see over the offensive line? Uh, that's you know that's kind of a traditional issue we've seen with guys like Russell Wilson and Drew Brees. But he's getting better at that. Uh, he had the interception, which was uh, that was definitely a mistake. I was watching, I rewatched that play, and I couldn't even figure out what the play call was because there was a lot of things going on. Not a lot of it made sense, and I I don't, I, I don't know if he was just trying to really throw the ball away, but he threw the ball to a spot where there were two receivers kind of in the same area, which is always a a bad sign. And obviously got picked off. Um, And then that kind of allowed Florida state to, you know, they gave it, they had just scored that gave them good field position, they were able to score easily again. So that kind of put them in that hole. But I think overall, you're seeing a really uh, encouraging progression and growth of him as a quarterback. And, and obviously as a leader, you know, we, we have seen how his emotional play does hype up his teammates, but in this game, you saw him be poised down the stretch where, you know, BC kept needing scores and he kept leading them on good drives to get them the points they needed to come back in this game. So, you know, again, we we I think we rightfully got on him last week for what he did. But I think we're all very impressed and happy with what he's doing as a quarterback. And uh, I think it's, it's going to be really exciting to see what he can do this year, even though, though, assuming they can get the penalties issues fixed.
0: All right. We have a lot to talk about, and, I, and I, I could honestly do a whole episode on how Castellanos looked and his it factor, which I think it is kind of a corny thing to talk about because it's like an adorable. I mean, with,
1: with quarterback, it, it it isn't like there is that. I mean, again, it's it is kind of it does sound kind of stupid, but it it is a thing. There are guys that have it and there are guys that don't I mean, like it just that's that is what it is.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, well, we can talk more about Castellanos in that time. But we have a lot to talk about, and I want to stick with the offense here. I want to talk about the offensive line because they were kind of Jekyll and Hyde with some of the penalties, which we'll get into later. But I want to just get into the positive parts of how they played because I thought they had an excellent game, uh, at least, you know, man on man against a very good uh, Florida State defensive line.
1: Yeah, I agree. Once the ball got snapped, these guys were dominating, um, you know, and obviously, you know, Florida State does have a good defensive line. They had their they made their plays for sure. You know, uh, Jared Verse had a good day and they had some other tackles for loss. But I mean, the way the way that ta- uh, Castellanos was able to stand in the pocket and have a super clean pocket for a long time. And, you know, with Castellanos, I- I've mentioned this about um how BC's defenses kind of attack mo- or should attack mobile quarterbacks. They kind of slow down the rush so that the quarterback can't just get out and escape. And I think they might've been doing that early on, but then on the last drive, and I think this is kind of where things started to fall apart is you saw Florida state blitz a lot more and they got home with some of those. And that's what led to some of those sacks. But anyways, yeah, I mean, on that, I mean, that's later in the game, but I still think the offensive line did so well uh, only seven pressures on 38 dropbacks, which was 18%. And I know some of those were on screens, so you can kind of, not count those because the for lack of a better phrase the quarterback is kind of supposed to be pressured on those because you want to suck the defenders uh down to the pocket so you can get that screen pass going but yeah in the run game uh you know it it was a bit of a mixed bag but i I think the thing that we were concerned about is said okay this offensive line has dominated a mac team and an fcs team on the ground how are they going to do when they face a, a power five defensive line on one of the best teams in the country and you know, I think they had some good plays, they had some missed blocks, they had some they had one or two holding penalties. Uh some I would say one of them was more questionable than the other. But overall, I was very satisfied with their performance. You know, they gave Robichaud 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 enough running lanes to, you know, get some yards. Uh Cam Barfield had a bit of a tougher day, but and also on the design runs to Castellanos. He had a lot of room to work. Uh sometimes he made some mistakes and ran right up the butts of his offensive lineman, which you know I think that that'd be easier to an- analyze when you have the all 22 and you can kind of see what he's seeing as opposed to the broadcast film but you know I- I've been super impressed with their performance and I know <laughs> I know that there's you know the ingredients are very different but I-, I think a lot of people were really disappointed with the Matt Applebaum hire and kind of well why is he just coming back like he's gonna ruin off his line and I, I tried to de- kind of defend the hire because I don't think he's a bad coach I don't maybe not maybe he's not the best coach and Sure, he's not as good of an offensive line coach or developer as DeVadasio. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, stipulate to that. But it's clear that this – and, again, last year, Googs did not have a lot of talent to work with. But I think you can see just how much having a guy that is competent and has a good relationship with the guys in the room, how much he has improved this group. And, again, there's not as many injuries. Uh, we did see Logan Taylor go down um, and Jude Bowery play for most of the game. And I thought Bowery performed pretty decently – um, and of, of the guys on the line, if any of them were to get hurt, I would say Taylor would be the biggest or the, the, the least significant loss because I thought he was the shakiest of all of them. So getting Bowery in for some snaps and I thought he performed well. So yeah, I think this offensive line is really just the catalyst for how this offense has been able to score points because, you know, I know the games have been wonky and they've been strange, but the offensive offense has been scoring points, you know, 24 in the first game. Granted, you need to go to overtime, but week one, you know, you're figuring stuff out next week. You get 31 points and this week you get 29 points and, you know, you have some uh, extra points and conversions left on the board. So, I mean, this offense is definitely scoring points and they're, and they're moving the ball pretty well and they can do it both uh, on the ground and through the air. So, you know, it's I know that the, the games have been weird and there haven't been the results we want. But I mean, the say what you will, this offense is pretty fun to watch.
0: All right, it, we've been really positive And now we're going to get into the, we're going to dive back into the yeah. sewer uh, and get into talking about penalties in just a moment. You're going to want to hear our thoughts on that. Now, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever find that you're just trying to fall asleep? Your brain suddenly won't stop talking. After this last uh, BC game, I felt like my brain was doing that. Do your thoughts start racing right before bed at our other op- inopportune moments? It turns out one way to get those racing thoughts to go away is to talk them through. You can get someone at better help with therapy that gives you a place to do just that. So you can get out of your negative thought cycles and find some mental and emotional peace. Our are, are thoughts about penalties driving you crazy. Are you thinking about the 18 penalties that Boston college had this weekend? And it's just, it, and it, it's racing thoughts. You just can't get it. to Stop better. Check it out at better help. If you've ever, Thought about it. This is the time to do it now. So get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on college today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H E L P.com slash locked on college. Locked on BC. This is AJ Black. And we're going to start talking about uh, something I think everyone was talking about yesterday, which were those darn flags, which came out a lot. I think it was 21 flags were thrown at BC, Uh, 18 were accepted. And BC set a school record for most penalties in one game. This just coming after Jeff Halfley said the week before uh, very, um, I don't want to say snidely, but he was very um, terse that he was going to fix this stuff. And it just got exponentially worse. I want to get Mitch's thoughts on this as I sat in the press box and just watched it happen over and over and over again. Penalties just killing BC. What were your thoughts watching this?
1: So the, the first thing I want to say is that not all penalties are created equal. Um, and I think this is something that Halfley, I think he might've said it exactly, or he, he said that exact word. Yes. Um, and that was the case last week where you have guys playing hard. There's a lot of spe- the special teams, you know, unnecessary upness penalties and those ones are harder to coach out. Cause you do want guys playing hard. Um, those are different from, you know, the spur of the moment, you know, the hands to face penalty last week, I would say the face mask penalty this week, and, and the one earlier when on Don Renez Rocco, when he was trying to sack Jordan Travis, you know, you just reach up a hand to try to, you know, get the, get the quarterback or get the ball and it hits the face mask and you know, it's a bang bang thing. And that's, you know, you coaching guys to play hard and that sometimes that is just unlucky. The false starts are a different story. And I, I think because you're in the press box, you might not have heard this, but the announcers were mentioning that, there's something about Castellanos' inflection or cadence, or in the, the way he just says the snap count that sometimes the offensive line hears as the actual snap indicator. And that's what was causing some of the issues. And then Halfley also took, talked about how they wanted to install this offensive package where they wanted to drain clocks. So they wanted to stay in the huddle for a while, then get out of the huddle quickly and snap the ball. And that was another reason why a lot of those false starts kept happening. For that reason, and I was saying this while I was watching the game if you are going to try to do this hurry up thing and you can't do it without penalties, then you can't do it. Do not do it because you're again, we saw it. It just you lose so many yards because you're trying to do this wonky up, and especially when in the upcoming games where they have to go on the road, that just that stuff's not going to work. So I don't know what exactly they need to do to drill this more, but they got to get it figured out because you know it's been significant problem, especially this past week. And, you know, it's, a, it's an emotional game. It's the first ACC game. It's, you know, you're playing against a good opponent. So you're, you know, maybe a little more on edge. So you see those things happen, but, you know, and this is why I said when after Halfley made those comments about how it's going to get fixed, I said, well, frankly, I'm not going to believe him until it, until there's a noticeable change. And frankly, the noticeable change went in the wrong direction and that BC had almost, they pretty much doubled their entire penalty count in one game. Um, so again, I'm not going to say, oh, it's, it's,
0: I'm not going to believe that it's
1: going to be fixed until I see that it is
0: fixed. All um, right. So I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. I, and I brought this up and I texted Mitch this earlier. I want you, you're good into the scheme stuff. What is disconcerting signals? What does so, that mean?
1: So disconcerting signals is when the def, the defensive players try to simulate the snap count or uh, give out like a faux audible or something in order to try to draw the offense into a false start. And usually it's clapping. Uh, if, a, if a linebacker claps, or uh, the, the the first one was on Niederaich Paula, and he pumped his arms kind of like he was like he was running in place, um, and did it really fast, and that's what they called it on. Which, I, in terms of the the letter of the law of that rule, I I, I kind of get it, but it's still like okay, that's you're reaching into the bag there. The second one was absolute crap because what happened was is that George Rooks. Shifted in his gap, he shifted down the line. It's a lateral move. You're allowed to do that. He's not in the neutral zone, and that caused the, the offensive lineman to jump off to jump as a false start. That is legal. Teams do that all the time. They shift their offense. They 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 shift their defensive lines for the purposes of drawing false starts because that is legal. Now, granted, maybe the college rule is a little different, but I know that they do that in the NFL. I know that the Steelers do this a ton, where they will, I believe, it's called stemming, where they slide their defensive line as a unit, like together. And then that will cause the offense to false start and that's fine. So I don't know why Madden all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You can, yeah, you can kind of do that where you shift the line and that's basically what they were doing. And that's very legal. Right. Um, And then the fact that they, they called it a false start rightfully and then flipped the penalty to the defense was absolutely insane. Um, So, you know, and Halfley was like, I think he said something about like try to explain what was going on at the refs. And it's like, well, I don't really know what you need to explain. Um, with regards to Paula's penalty, I don't, I don't know why he did that, and that was just stupid. But, um, yeah, I mean the penalties. I mean, I think it's fair to say that if the penalties are under control, BC probably has a, they have at least a much better chance of winning this game. I know you mentioned this on the the quick recap episode, but according to game on paper, uh, BC lost nine point nine six expected points added from penalties. So essentially expected points added is a measure where from any point on the field and any down distance and any given time in the game, you can kind of predict how many points the offense is going to score from that point. And every play changes the expected points. That's the expected points added. So every time there was a penalty that would knock down BC's EPA and it happened enough that they lost 9.96 points from penalties, which is crazy. Um, And you know, I think some of the other coaching stuff that I wanted to bring up. And I mean, that, that, this is another thing. And there's a comment about it. We don't need to bring it up, but just, it, it was, I think, it. I think FSU had one penalty going into halftime. BC had 10. And, you know, I've, and again, this is very fan speak, but like I could have sworn. I saw holdings on Florida state. There were time. there was a time where Jared verse tackled Kai Robichon and, and stood over him and said something. And it's like, that's taunting. Um, they got, they got a little more even in the second half. Um, right. But, that was just like, okay. And, and I think the announcers kind of mentioned this too, is that when you have a team that is known for being penalized a lot, it kind of creates this um, feedback loop where the refs are looking for it because they know it's a heavily penalized team and then they become more heavily penalized and so on and so forth. Um, but some of the other coaching stuff that I want to talk about is these like decisions on fourth downs and going for two and the first one is. Hold
0: on, I'm gonna pause oh. you there because we will. I'm gonna go. I need to just get to this next read. Okay, no and then we'll go right into. I have the the third is like anything Mitch wants to talk about. Okay, <laughs> all right. So we'll get back to that in just a moment. So now, time for your game changer of the week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like Thomas Castellanos, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non alcoholic beer game. They make non alcoholic beer that actually tastes good. I mean, we saw Castellanos making plays. He looked. Like a game changer out there. Uh, and he was, you know, when things were not working, he did everything in his power to turn that game around and almost win it for the Eagles. Now, Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the non alcoholic beer game because they make actually tasting good non alcoholic beers, such as IPAs, Golden Sours, and more. They're great tasting, they're award winning, and they're constantly changing uh, their flavor profiles. You're never going to find, you know, the same kinds. You can always find new stuff. So, fire first time customers can use promo code locked on to get 15% off your first online order. That's code L O C K E D O N at checkout for 15% off athletic brewing company, near beer, exclusions and conditions apply athletic athletic brewing company fit for all time. All right. As I said, I'm going to let Mitch just have his thoughts here for a moment. Cause I know he has a lot. He wants to talk about and, uh, say we're gonna get back i gotta get back to the patriots game a little bit Um, i don't know why i want to watch it mitch and i both are rooting for terrible football teams this year um mitch go ahead what were you going to talk about in terms of coaching so the first one that came up was when bc
1: scored um i guess it it was the defensive touchdown the recovery by Kari johnson and bc elected to go for two at that point and they were down 22 to 31 and at first I was like, okay, this is, I'm fine with this. Cause if you get the touch, if you get the score, then you're down by seven and you are going to, you're going ha- to have to go for two eventually. They, they went for it. They didn't get it. And that was, and then that kind of, you know, it didn't necessarily play a real factor in the end outcome, but it was something that I was thinking about. And I think in hindsight, I get why they did it, but they probably should have kicked it because then you are within eight. The next time you score a touchdown, you still need to get a two-point conversion, but if you do that, then the game is tied. Um, and I didn't love the play call that they did when they went for two that time. Um, I think it was just like a rollout to, with the, to the trip side. It was where Lewis Bond made an amazing catch. He just couldn't get in bounds. Um, but didn't love that play call. But the uh, and then the other one that I didn't necessarily agree with was the fourth and one where Thomas Castellanos actually scored, but at that point, BC is still down 31-22. I don't remember how much time was left. I think there was like five minutes ish or something uh, maybe a little more, but I was very against that call because basically if BC doesn't get that. Then FSU gets the ball back. BC is still down by a lot. Whereas at that point, again, you still need two scores. So you kick the field goal. Then if you score a touchdown, you still have to score a touchdown, but you are within one score. If you kick the field goal there, luckily they got it. Thomas has made a great play running the ball. um, So it didn't matter as much. Other than those two things though, I did think that Halfley did a pretty good job of being aggressive, you know, uh, the time where they went for it on fourth and didn't get it. I wasn't a huge fan of the play call, um, but I liked the decision to do it. The It was the fourth and two that Robichaud, Robichaud didn't convert. But, you know, at that point, it's like if we kick a field goal, it's still a two-score game. It doesn't matter. And, you know, you, I'm not saying this directly led to this, but on that on the ensuing Florida State drive, that's where they – BC scored the defensive touchdown. Um, so you have these – and I'm not saying, you know, if they had to kick the field goal, then – That's things you can't you can't play it out exactly because if you kick you can't say oh they kick the field goal then Florida State still has the fumble that returns touchdown not necessarily true Um, but other than that you know they went for it on fourth down a lot they were very successful on it except for that one time uh, show had a great day at at converting those plays Um, and you know BC was thriving in third and super longs because of penalties which was kind of funny to watch where it'd be like oh third and twenty we got them right where we want them and then you know Castellanos make an amazing play but I think that the general attitude of being aggressive you know going forward on those fourth downs uh you know when they were down late you know it's like okay we're gonna we don't need field goals we need to score touchdowns to win this game i thought the squib kick that was fumbled was a great decision because you know you rarely recover on side kicks anymore just because you don't have that running start so you know kind of trying to get it in the midfield and hoping that the bounce of the ball it, it's it is somewhat random but hey you know that one broke bc's way so that i like that uh, attempt um, other stuff, I, I think that it's, it's tough to, you know, say the defense did a good job when they allowed 31 points, uh, especially when they kind of came in bunches. But, you know, I thought that the way that they schemed this up with the very aggressive corners playing press on the outside, you know, Eli- Keon Coleman did nothing, which was amazing. Um, mm-hmm. both Elijah Jones and Amari Jackson did a great job stopping him. Like you said, on the, the recap episode, Johnny Wilson had that one big play, which was, uh, BC did a cover zero blitz. They, Brought every they brought seven, they had the other they had Colbats and be like the spy down low, and everybody else is in man coverage. And you know, sometimes you get burned on those, that's just how it works. Um, and Elijah Jones, that was his one catch he let up, uh, but on that, he was uh, really good that whole day. Uh, I think that the, the John Pupil experiment needs to come to an end. Uh, he got really exposed in this game multiple times. I feel like you could tell that. FSU was targeting him on the the touchdown of Jaheim Bell, where they sent Bell in motion across the field and they saw that Pupil wasn't man following him. I feel like they were looking for that matchup. And now that it's on tape, other teams are going to look for that matchup too. So I think you need to get Victor Nelson on the field more, maybe you can get Kari Johnson some more snaps. He finally played in this game. It was only I think eight snaps and he had the great fumble recovery, but John Pupil is too much of a liability in pass coverage at this point to be relied upon. Uh, He's a decent run defender not not i wouldn't say great he's decent he's got he made a few nice plays but he just is not of the athletic athleticism and speed necessary to be a quality starter on this defense right now um they need people who are better in coverage and yeah and actually this was one of bc's better games in terms of run defense i thought they did a really good job getting penetration they did a really good job getting off blocks um again i don't know no no i mean he had a touchdown but didn't there were no really big chunk runs, you know, all of Florida State's big plays came through the air, which, you know, that kind of, I mean, they found their matchup. They liked with Jaheim Bell, who was somebody I was worried about. And, you know, he obviously burned BC a few times, but the fact that they weren't getting just mossed by the two outside receivers on every play was a very encouraging development. So, and I think, you know, in terms of the scoring, you know, you have, you give Florida State really good field position with that, touchdown uh, after Castellanos's interception. I, I am really concerned about this defense coming out of halftime. This is three games yeah. in a row where they have allowed the offense to go down the field pretty quickly and score a touchdown. Um, again, I, I I I am of the belief that the quote halftime adjustments are overblown and not as important. And there's not as much time to actually make big adjustments, but whatever, <laughs> whatever they're doing, like it needs to change. That needs to change too, because Then BC's even just getting worked out of the half. So I don't know if they need to do more to change what they're doing, maybe do less adjustments than what they're doing. I don't know, but that's got to change because every time BC's getting the ball first, and luckily the last two games they've scored in their opening drive, but now a lot of teams are taking advantage of what is called the middle eight, which is the four minutes before and after halftime, and a lot of teams are scoring right before the half, and then they get the ball back, and then they score again. And when you can do that, that really... Increases your probability of winning games where you can get those two back-to-back scores. So BC's got to find a way to be better out of the half. Either make I don't I'm not exactly sure what yet, but make more or fewer adjustments. uh But overall, I liked what their scheme was for this opponent because they did a good job stopping the run. They forced FSU to not throw to their two big receivers as much and forced them to go to their tertiary weapons. Which, when you do that, and one of them is burning here, it's like okay, we this is how we decided to scheme this. This is the way have lived it because. Especially with how BC's defense has been playing, you can't game plan to just stop everybody. You know, they just don't have that kind of talent right now. You have to kind of pick one matchup where you say, Okay, we are we are more worried about these two wide receivers, for example. If the tight end beats us sometimes, we are gonna have to live with that. And on the one play, it was the play that was almost touchdown, but they rolled him down at the one. BC's in a cover three zone, so they've got the two outside corners, are playing deep thirds on the outside, and then you've got the deep middle safety. And Jaheim Bell just kind of runs a seam route right between the two thirds and the defender that is underneath there just doesn't get enough depth to cover that seam. So that's, that's just like an execution mistake where that, and I think that was actually Cam Arnold. So, you know, for a veteran player who has background as a safety, he's got to know that you got to get more depth there. Um, So, you know, I think this as much as it can be, you know, for a loss that was pretty heartbreaking um, there was a lot of, and obviously with the penalties, that's a huge issue, but, a lot of encouraging things to look forward to. And, you know, now BC gets into their, the heart of their schedule, where there are some, shall we say opponents of lower quality, um, you know, I, Louisville is three and it is the BC's first road game. So that's, that's going to be a challenge, but I mean, I've, I have watched some of Louisville now in preparation for this week and I'm not overly impressed. I mean, they've had two close games against Georgia tech and Indiana and then they blew out an FCS opponent on a short week. So cool. But I'm not super impressed with Louisville. I think they could be had if BC, you know, corrects these penalties again, that's a huge if, and you know, if the offense continues to grow and the defense, you know, the defense also needs to figure out a way to get a pass rush. Cause this is another zero on the stat sheet for Donovan Renazoraku in terms of pressures. I don't know what's going on with him, but he has just been a non-factor so far this season. And I'm sure offenses are game planning to stop him. But in that case, then the defensive coaching staff has to find ways to get him, some better opportunities uh, but then later in the schedule you've got army who army's looking good their new offense is yep. doing good so that's gonna be tougher but uva is pretty bad georgia tech's pretty bad virginia tech's pretty bad so and uconn is zero and three i think yeah they're is 0-3. Pitt really bad Pitt is, uh, Pitt is really bad I, I again i'm i think by then they'll make a quarterback change and if they don't then you know we can talk about that when that happens but you know if BC continue, like if the offense continues to grow, as we've seen, if the defense can make some tweaks and they can get this penalty issue fixed, there is still a pretty realistic path for BC to get back to a bowl eligible season.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, we got to run Mitch. uh, We're running out of time. So uh, I'll have you back on. We'll talk about Louisville later this week, Um, but thank you for all of your insight. I know you had a lot. You wanted to talk about because it was a very uh, dense game. So Mitch, where can people find you? You can find me at Mitchell T
1: Wolf W O L F E on Twitter. Uh, you can find my work on Eagle Insider. We're uh, doing the game rewatches. watches um, I'm still kind of trying to figure out how I'm going to frame this one because, um, I mean, again, the offense was pretty good, and I thought I thought given the circumstances, the defense performed as well as they could. So um, it'll be kind of uh, this one might be a little be diff- be
0: structured a little differently. So, but yeah,
1: just check out my work there.
0: All right. And this is AJ Black. You can follow me at AJ Black 247 and become a subscriber to read Mitch's game rewatches, get all the recruiting news. I've got uh, an insider uh, update on a uh, re- committed recruit. Uh, to another school that was at this game and I heard things went really well and I'll have that up in the morning. So you want to check that out as well. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. You guys are the lifeblood of this podcast and we're growing every single day. And it's all because of you. Uh, thank you for spreading the word about locked on BC and thank you all for listening tonight. We'll see you all again soon. Take care, everyone.